Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Short Tales. For today's episode, I'm very, very pleased to be joined by a lovely human by the name of Adam Carnavale. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for having me. It's very, very much a pleasure. I've been so keen to to have this chat. I think I even said to you, like, when I started, I had the idea for doing these conversation episodes as part of Short Tales. Mm. Yours was, like, one of the first names I put on the list because of, like, you've got this area of sort of expertise that I'm not as tapped into. <laughs> like, you're basically a professional, you know, DMer yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and because of that, yeah, you've got this sort of in-depth perspective on a, on this element of storytelling that I that I kind mm. of yeah I'm so cu- curious to pick your brain and, and sort of see what treasures I can find in there. <laughs> uh, so Adam, what are we talking about today? We're talking about telling a collaborative story. Hell yeah, yeah. So for you, this obviously comes from yeah, sort of role playing games and you DMing yeah. them and all this sort of stuff. So before we sort of get in the meat and bones of it, I'm so curious to know. I've never really asked you like, what is your history with this medium? Because it's obviously become such a giant part of your life. Yeah, yeah. I so don't like to think about how long ago it was, <laughs> but it it was in 2008. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, after I graduated from high school, I well actually I all right. So I tell a lie. It's not, it doesn't start in 2008. <laughs> you're already telling lies. Yeah, you I know. Son I'm of a, a bitch. I'm a bit of a fibber. That's <laughs> what you're going to learn about me. Okay. I I what I used to say is that I would I would say oh the first time I played Dungeons and Dragons oh. was in 2008 at university. I joined a D and D club, mm-hmm. and that that was when that's my first foray into this. Yeah. But actually, the more and more I think about it, and the more and more I remember. I reminisce on my life. (laughs) Now, as you age, like fine wine. In the later years of my life, in the back end, in my 30s, now that I'm winding down. You're in the sunset years, you're in those sunrise (laughs) years, remembering. But I am realizing that when I was in primary school from ages, I want to say like six to 12, I remember now I would actually do basically the same thing with friends. We would jointly create imaginative worlds. World, and one person would always be, often me, but not always, yeah. would often be kind of in charge, as it were, of yeah. the imagination, and everyone else would be kind of acting within this world. Oh, I remember so doing that yeah, yeah. yeah, at like age eight, and I feel like this is such a common thing. Like mm. I feel like I'm not, obviously I'm not the only person to have ever done this. Sure. So I feel like this is such a, a common thing to have this sort of storytelling experience. Mm. Just, yeah, like with less structure, I guess. Right, D&D right. is something that so many people do yeah. or have done in their childhood yeah. just with rules attached to Right. It. Yeah. I love getting some rules in there. Let's yeah. really structure this, this play, basically. Yeah. Okay, well that's really interesting. Do you even know, maybe not, because if you're eight, that's, that's a, you know hard to remember, but 
was it even like, had you picked this up from somewhere or this was just a very organic thing that happened to you? Uh, I think mates? it was very organic. Thing. Yeah. yeah. It was Jeez, like how you, would, yeah, how you would play make believe. Yeah. But then I don't know why, but we decided that someone needed to be sort of in, in charge. charge of the make-believe. <laughs> yeah. Great. Something like a, I, this has come up in a podcast before, mm. but I have a practiced and incredible ability to imitate a door. <laughs> because, <laughs> that was your credentials. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That's my credentials. This came up in like a episode of shut up second ages and ages yeah. ago, but because I, if you were in charge of the imagination, you had to be everything, every element in the world around. Yeah. So I have a practiced door technique <laughs> where you can open me yeah. <laughs> to pass into a new area, right. as most doors want to do. Yeah, that is sort of their general yeah. purpose. That's great. I love that. Um, all right, then jumping ahead to sort of that 2008 time mm. so like how familiar with you with like D and other role-playing stuff before then i basically came at it with nothing other than the maybe the broad general like cultural knowledge that yeah. anyone else had maybe less so to be honest because was yeah, a lot, right. more, lot less popular <laughs> yeah no it, yeah it wasn't as cool or as popular when i got well that was it. something else i was wanting to talk to you like it's had this this amazing renaissance mm, absolutely yeah um and like do, what do you for someone who's so entrenched in it like what do you think caused that uh, I, i'm not 100 percent sure it's kind of like I, I feel like it was a natural though i, I feel like it was a natural byproduct mm. of how popular just kind of geeky yeah culture right. has become yeah that tracks yeah like yeah. i feel i feel like Iron Man 1 comes out. <laughs> it's like little, I don't know if you know this meme, but the little domino Iron Man 1 is released. Right. Big domino, Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> experiences a yeah, resurgence. Yeah, that yeah. totally tracks. Yeah, interesting. Um, so then, yeah, you in 2008, uh, obviously, yeah, you joined the club. So mm-hmm. like, so you hadn't really had any experience before this club and then you came in as a player? Yes. Assuming, yeah. I, my first character was... Like a really boring human fighter. Right. One of the most bland sort of characters <laughs> you can create. His name was Gary. That's his, how bland he was. His name <laughs> okay. was Gareth. No, it wasn't. It was. Oh, my it God. Was. His <laughs> name so was funny. Gareth. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. That's so... What a crazy guess I you like, What's a bland name? And I went, Gary, there it was. It was okay. Gareth, yeah. <laughs> Which is basically the fantasy version of oh, Gary. Gary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I played a human fighter, and that was actually my first experience with uh, some of the disappointments that can come with joint storytelling. Right. In my head, I had imagined myself as like a young knight errant yep. kind of coming into the world, looking with wide, mm-hmm. kind of the same way I was, yeah, looking right. with wide, yeah. excited eyes at what possibilities could become. Yeah. And my dungeon master mm. chose to rewrite the description in my <laughs> mind of instead a kind of like a sloppy knight riding in on a donkey <laughs> sloppy is such a great descriptor <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was yeah. I, I feel like that was maybe i feel like that's maybe a direct quote where <laughs> i i say oh i'm a human fighter i give some basic yeah. kind of information and then the dungeon master took that and was like and you ride in on a knight with your armor loosely hanging around you <laughs> you are gareth the sloppy knight yeah, yeah. Ah, Gareth. He died, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was killed by the foolish actions of another player. Well, he was a sloppy bitch, so yeah, like, I was. guess inevitable for poor Gareth. Yeah. Um. So then how long was it sort of you playing until you started to DM your own your I own think games? it was within one year. Oh, okay. In the first year, I ran a game that was probably not 
a clever decision on my part. <laughs> I wish I had a better understanding of the rules. And I yeah. tried to get kind of creative with it, and I shouldn't. Mm. I, on top of not really understanding the rules enough, I tried to get creative. So what yeah. I did was I had the party create two different characters. Right. And I made them make a evil characters and good characters with the intention okay. that they would create their own villains. Oh, that's actually, that's a cool idea. Yeah, like, so they could, they could play the villains and then I could have them understand the villains by playing the villain's arc. Yeah. And then the final confrontation could be them against themselves, yeah, basically. Cool. But the problem was I started the villains off as really high-level characters. Right. And I did not know the game well enough to do that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so they they kind of ran circles. The players ran circles around me, and I was really not prepared for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Oh, like, like, that's already was sort of, it's interesting to me, the, the collaborative side of this of, like, you're working with the players, but there is also this sort of, I don't know, like it's a give and take thing, but obviously, yeah, if, yeah. If they take too much or you take too like the balance of it does seem to be such a large component of this collaborative storytelling. Mm. So I guess on that, like, well, how have you, how have you found that experience of trying to find that balance between sort of, I guess the story you've built as the DM and then the story they're sort of finding as they're playing? Like, how do you balance those two parts? It's hard because everyone has like a different level of comfort mm. in giving up control and accepting someone else's yeah. control or, or are trying to take their own control yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So every single, and then cause everyone's different. Mm. Every time you do a different group, even if some of those people, you know, you'll inter you'll in interact with them in different amounts. Yeah. Those dynamics must change. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's kind of, I feel like every game, unless it's kind of the exact group of people playing very similar characters again right. and again and again, yeah. every game feels kind of like the first few sessions mm. you spend partially learning what the players, yep. how, how far the players can go. And I get that a lot with new players. Right. So new players especially are very hesitant to take any action at all. Yeah, yeah. They will be very passive- and they will allow a story to happen to them. Yep. And then for a lot of players, there's a certain point where I can see, and I can see it. That's when mm, they start, mm. when the events around their character stop being driven by the world and start being driven by their character. Yeah. Where a player realizes, oh, I can, I can maybe not necessarily do anything, but mm. I can try anything. Yeah, I've got some agency within yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. And some characters, oh, sorry, some characters, some players mm. reach that faster than others. Like, yep. I feel like Cass, yep. uh, Cass Page, friend of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cass basically got there session one. Right. Oh, that's I fascinating. Yeah. Cass okay. got that so quickly. Yeah, yeah. And some players, it takes kind of forever. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I know some players who still, after role-playing for years, mm. are kind of very passive and allow the game ha to happen to them there's yeah. nothing wrong with that mm. but it often feels like i, I don't get engaged by those players as yeah much. right yeah i always say though that there is no way to play the game wrong mm, mm. and there's no way to tell a story wrong yeah agreed yeah. but i yeah i find myself engaged more when a when a player can reach out and meet me halfway part way. yeah yeah, yeah. It doesn't even have to be halfway, even right. just partway. Yeah. But when we start approaching halfway, actually, it starts causing problems for me <laughs> because I am the dungeon master always yeah. because I like the control that comes with that. <laughs> and it is it's something that I discovered with, especially working with Zamet, who, who yeah. also produces. Yeah. And as in, in a producer role, Zamet mm. often comes in being like, well, 
we would like to hit these story beats. Right. And I always feel it's always a little bit upsetting for me because yeah. I'm like, but the dice say this. Yeah, yeah. And Simon's like, but but the story will be more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been a since day one. That's been a push and shove. I, mm. Jackson, when they brought me on and Jackson was describing me to Zamet. Right. Jackson was saying Jackson told Zamet, Adam knows Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. But he will do the dice. Yeah. What the yeah. dice say is gonna is gonna be what happens. Yeah. And yeah. that's that push and pull between me and Zamet has been <laughs> yeah, like I said, since day one. Yeah, see that's so interesting because obviously even with like uh, you know, obviously for you guys recording them and releasing them as these stories for mm. people to listen to, even that adds another element of the collaborative side of of the way you guys tell these stories, knowing there's an audience out there. Yes. Do you how much difference do you find between the ones you're recording and the ones you just do for fun, you know, off off mic? Oh, the ones I do for fun off mic, I f- tend to find the rules of the system that we're using kind mm. of change things as well. So with a fifth edition, yeah. uh, like the most recent edition, Dungeons right. and Dragons, I find that it's largely okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't typically, the game is kind of designed for a faster pace and more role playing itself. Yeah, okay. So it's not as big a deal mm. when we're doing that. But in some of the earlier editions, like 3.5, which was the edition of Dungeons & Dragons that I first learned, right. and it's my favorite edition for sure. a lot of different very silly reasons. But, <laughs> but with 3.5 edition, the game is not right. <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah. It's not as well balanced and it's not as well formulated for role playing and stuff. So yeah. some of those ones I can see as we're playing. If you had a video of Zamet, you could see him <laughs> sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes yeah. staring fucking daggers at me being like, Adam, we, yeah. we've been fighting this dragon for so long. <laughs> we, You cannot keep this. This I, A combat cannot go yeah. for 10 episodes. <laughs> Maybe Dragon Ball Z can make it work, but we cannot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. As well as like, it kind of brings in, I guess, another part of the, the storytelling thing of like, obviously, as a storyteller, you're a bit aware of story structure and, you know, hitting mm. your first act turn, second act turn, all the sort of rest of it. I'm curious to know how much of it, especially once you started building your own campaigns and yeah, really yeah. creating the story or the world at least. Um how much of those elements are you sort of conscious of or do you need to leave them vague? Like, I'm so curious to know. It's abs- It's really, really hard. Yeah, yeah. To- yeah. I, so at the beginning, when we were first doing this, Mm. I, there was no structure whatsoever. It was kind of just almost like laying the tracks Mm. in front of the players as they were moving. (laughs) So what we would find is instead of a grand story that had the three acts Mm. with uh, uh, like a hero's journey element and stuff like that, instead of that, we would find smaller arcs. Yeah. Okay. So it, it would kind of become... Uh, almost an episodic sort of thing. Right. Where yeah. there'd be a little arc, it'd stop. A little arc, that mm. would stop. But more recently, I've started, yeah, kind of like plotting things out a little bit Yeah, more. like because it is like such a long serialized. Mm. To serialize it does require so much yeah, forethought. Like, again, even if like I've worked on TV and like, you know, you've just got one season, but like these campaigns can obviously go for so much many more hours yeah. than, you know, a single season of television. So the planning to try to get that in as well as obviously the, the contributing factor of these fuckers can make it go in any direction away mm. from that plot. So, yeah, like, well, do you have any like tips or tricks or like things that you found really useful in terms of sort of allowing that space, but still 
still sort of delivering the satisfaction of a story? Well, I've been very, with the recorded content that we make here, I've been mm. very lucky. And mm. with just the friendships I've made yeah, in this yeah, game, yeah. in these games, I've been very lucky because a lot of the people I work with or play with are very conscious of that there is a story Mm -hmm. that should be followed. So I very rarely, if ever, have had to deal with a player who has just completely, has gone beyond the rejecting of the story. Right, almost willingly derailing things. Yeah, I have very rarely, if ever, encountered that. Most of the time, maybe the players see like a, a, a arc in the story that I don't want them to follow, but they are still kind of following the story, if yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, the few times it has been a problem, it just direct You can't. It's You can't. If you're leading a pack of horses and right. one of the horses is just not moving its legs, yeah. there's not a lot you can do yeah, yeah. except that your wagon isn't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. you're really treading water for that yeah. time. Yeah, which I guess that's when it's sort of... The, the beauty of it, I suppose, is is that if we are all collaborating in this story, it, mm. it benefits all of us to be getting to the next stage of the story yeah. and finding out what happens next. And you know, So I guess another question I sort of had around that was like, the boundaries of the story. Cause again, like for me, I'm so new to this. Obviously I've played, yeah. I've never DM'd and I've only really played that one campaign with Jack and then just started one with you recently. And so and you're I'm like, great in it. May I say, Oh, thank you so much. You're so doing nice very, I absolutely am loving it. Oh, I'm glad. I'm yeah. honestly glad. I, I had so much fun with it. Honestly, I can't say how giddy I was. Like <laughs> it's always been the sort of thing where I'm like, again, I think it was just because of that time where role-playing stuff sort of was in a bit of a slump mm. and wasn't in the sort of, zeitgeist yeah but if it had been for sure demo who read you know who basically <laughs> read dungeons and dragons books like i don't know if you've ever read those margaret weiss and tracy hickman books. uh the dragonlance novels? uh yeah dude uh, my favorite <laughs> D novels ever yeah. oh my god yes yeah exactly right so War i love the lance also. i'm all about that <laughs> oh, my shit man. Oh. i don't know if i'm allowed to swear but <laughs> no, you definitely are okay. um, but yeah that pretty that pretty much just proves oh yeah if mm. i had found this earlier i would have fucking loved it oh and I still do. Like, I just, yeah, I think it's so much fun and just going with it. Um, but anyway, back to my question. So, like, I guess the thing I was trying to think of is, like, where are the boundaries for this thing? Because obviously, you, like, it is that ultimate escapism fantasy where, like, there is yeah. a whole world to explore. Much like role-playing games. Like, the the best sort of, um, oh, sorry, like, video games that sort of have that role-playing aspect. Like, the ones that to me seem the most amazing where it like, it feels like there are no boundaries to the world. Like Mm -hmm. you can just keep going and keep exploring and keep finding. And it just is like that pure fantasy escapism that I know I really like about it. So like when you're devising these things, like how do you, you have to, I have to assume you have to put boundaries somewhere on the map. Like how do you go with that? It's complicated. So sometimes if I'm making a game, I'll make a game because I've got a story in mind. And if I've got that story in mind, I've I will only ever run such a game for players who I know will be the sorts of ones who are like here's the story uh-huh. and a great line that I've heard mm. in in Dungeons and Dragons is mm-hmm. this is what my character would do but I think an even better line mm. that helps everyone have fun yeah. is why would my character do this yeah okay i feel like the first question uh, the first statement this is what my character would do mm-hmm. is maybe you role playing a character but why would my character do this is a better statement or a better question to ask. Yeah, because yeah. Because then it kind of draws you into a story. Yeah. And, and anyway, sorry to answer your question. Yeah, no, that's great though. If yeah, if I'm crafting a story, there's absolutely boundaries because I want to tell this story. Yeah. But I have on occasion done what what are referred to as sandbox games, mm. which is I kind of just drop the players in a location and yeah. I say 
have at thee. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of one where I'm laying the track as they go. Right. I will have a few kind of plots dangling that they could pull at. Yeah. But I've spent, rather than writing one coherent story, I've spent my time writing 12 yeah, beginnings to a story. Yeah, yeah. And then I just wait to see which one they pull on. Right. And then I'm happy to go in that direction. And for those sorts of games, yeah, there really is no boundary. Yeah, I, it's yeah. a world of my creation, mm. and I know what's happening right. everywhere. I if I don't if at the very least if I don't know what's happening I know mm. where in my notes I can find yep. what's happening. That's fascinating. So, so there have been quite a few times where in there are we did two, we've done two massive sandbox games. Mm. The first season we did mm-hmm. was one such and then the uh, uh we're doing a special campaign for just like king's level yep. people kind of people who loved the first season yeah, and wanted yeah. more of the first season. Cool. cool. So that yeah that series as well has been that was me just starting, dropping the players in a location, and mm. I just know what's around them. Yep. And if they start heading too far in a direction, what will sometimes happen mm. is I'll be like, all right, well, that's all I've had prepared. Yeah. <laughs> let me go away. Let me prepare some okay. more, and then we can come back. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible, though, because like, I can almost imagine, like, I've seen some, I've watched some, um, I forgot what the YouTube channel is. It's a great channel where it sort of talks about the writers of video games. Yeah. Um, and it's the same sort of thing where obviously because these video games uh, are written in much as there is for the ones that have a storyline, but they've also got these incredible flow charts. It's sort of mm. like, if this, then this, if this, yeah. then this. And you can kind of see all the diverging, like this massive tree of options. And I'm kind of like picturing that literally either on your computer or in your brain of just like, okay, I drop them here, here are their options. And then if, if this, then this, but like pretty much, yeah. so many, like, there's so many branches. Once you start getting past those first few decisions, yeah. they just keep branching and branching and branching. Do you have trouble keeping all that in contained in your head. I the only reason I have it the only struggle to keep it contained is to not blurt it all out because I'm so excited. Yeah, okay, I, I could see that. I have yeah. such an incredible passion. Yeah. Uh for world building and for my own huffing my own stories. <laughs> and I those sorts of the sandbox games are so much fun because then the players get to go somewhere and I get to be like cool Guess what? Mm. I thought. Guess. Look at this cool thing I thought to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. And like, and it, honestly, it's. I find it insanely impressive. One, because I don't think my memory is like it's fine, but I don't think it's anything special. It seems like <laughs> the memory requirements of this of keeping all the components in your head so that whatever they throw at you, you're ready to mm. to fire right back. I think it's incredible. Um, just to jump back to the characters for a second, because what you said before really fascinated me. The the idea of like, you know, why would my character do this? So, like, I'm. I teach kids creative writing. I teach adults screenwriting. And mm. I'm, I tell both of them, like, your story doesn't work unless it's character-driven. I'm such a big advocate for that. Sure. I think there are stories that are more, like, plot-driven, but I find them – I don't I don't connect with them on any real Absolutely, level. They yeah. might be entertaining while you're watching it and then for, completely forget about it. I – when I'm writing a, a – a, instead of one of the sandbox games, if mm. I'm writing a story – yeah that I want to tell through role-playing, mm-hmm. I often ask myself – the or not ask myself the question, sorry. Mm-hmm. I often tell myself – that this should be the most interesting thing that has ever happened to these characters. Fuck yeah, yeah. And if it isn't, yeah. why isn't it? Yeah, why Which, aren't we telling that yeah. story instead then? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's great, dude. Honestly, like, that's already, that's, to me, good advice. I'm going to pass it to my writers. <laughs> but the the character-driven stuff, like you saying, why wouldn't my character do this? I've struggled in the past when trying to get across, you know, why this is so important, why it should be driving the story. 
But I think the the why maybe you can sell the how is a bit harder in like yeah okay but I don't know my, I guess my character did this I guess my character did that but it is interesting like you saying that for my younger writers who like I don't know what happens next and so ne- whenever that happens I go okay well here's an idea what if this thing happened and yeah. they're very ready to say no that wouldn't happen they're not really <laughs> to say oh this is what's going to happen next but if you give them options they're ready to say no yeah like part of it is maybe they're being belligerent but part of it is probably also because they're kind of like they've got the story in their mm. head but they don't have you know they ha- haven't done it enough to really be able to go they know what feels right and they know what feels wrong yeah and i think putting it in that flipping it on its head to go well, what wouldn't your character do all of a sudden is like yeah great we're narrowing down those options to something that feels really right rather than going mm. I guess my character might do this thing that I've just randomly chosen. So already I think like on the storytelling front, that's just such a great fucking piece of advice for people when coming to your characters and plotting out your story. Like I said, I think it should always be character driven and as much as you follow the structure and all the rest of it, but like, yes, but all the choices, all the decisions coming from character. Ready to pop the question. The jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I love that. So then on the character side of things, like obviously you might run campaigns where you sort of, if they're newbies, maybe you build the characters and you just give them the character sheet yeah. or if they build the characters and then like, what, how have you found that collaboration of, of character? That is a very interesting question. Cause that is something I have had to deal with more and more as we've been doing this. Yeah. And I have the, I've kind of like honed it down to a fine point where I find when it comes to most types of characters, mm. it is fine for me to just make any old character mm-hmm. and then, especially for first-time players, yeah. I can just sit them down. I can be like, I've got your race. I've got your class. Here are all of your abilities. Mm. I just need from you a name yeah. and just for you to fill out their personality. Right. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Everything else you can let me worry about. Yeah, yeah. And when I get down to the core of it, most of so much of the engaging stuff in what we do is just that name and the mm. personality. Everything yeah. else is kind of just noise. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Yeah. I would make an exception for spellcasters, though, because I have okay. found very frustratingly, that it's really hard. A lot of new-time players, if they were to play a spellcaster, it's Mm. so much better to run them through all of the different spells. Right. Because then they can pick spells that will help 
flesh out a personality. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. That's the part I never thought of before. Yeah, yeah, I found doing picking the spells for them, I often see them look at the spells, be like, ah, this isn't this isn't the the magic that I want to use. This yeah. isn't how I what I would do with magic. Yeah. Because magic's such a broad and powerful thing. For sure, yeah. But it's within Dungeons and Dragons. It's storytelling like, yeah. wise. Sorry. Yeah. It is such a broad and powerful thing. But within mm. Dungeons and Dragons, it's like cool, pick what spells you can do though yeah right so yeah it's they limit it so much within the rules that i yeah i want to more often i want to sit them down and go through all the spells but it's mm. so time consuming oh god yeah yeah it's like i'll yeah. oh, read this book and then we'll mm, get to the yeah, next part yeah pretty much uh, that's so interesting and so like i guess like if someone comes to you and they've got you know, here's my character, here's 10 things about them. Mm. And you're like, oh, two of those things might be slightly at odds with kind of, yeah. Just like at that point I could see this being like, is the, do you find you just get loud, whatever they bring to the table, that's what you got to work with. Or do you sort of go, oh, well maybe for this, we can sort of alter things, blah, blah, blah. Kind. I, I'm not sure. I, I guess kind of like a mixture of the two. Yeah. Cause what'll happen is a few times now a player has come into it and they've been like, Oh, can I use this spell to do this? Right, and I've just been, and I've, I've decided. Well, n- no, technically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, technically, that's not what the spell does. Yeah. But I can see that you're trying to be creative mm-hmm. with this spell, and if you had been able to build the character, you might have picked something that let you do this. Yes, yeah. so I'm just going to let you do it. Yeah, because uh, it's more interesting than saying no, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that is good. That sort of brings me to another point. I was hoping to ask you, where it's like. Obviously, because there are such hard rules, and you've already said you were like a slave mm. to the dice, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I guess, where is, like, how do you find the wiggle room for when people are like, I want to do this thing? And you're like, well, technically, you know, for, for if you, if like, especially again, if they're, I, I could see me coming in and be like getting overexcited and offering, like, oh, here's the thing I want to do. And you're like, yeah, yeah you can't do that. Like, how, how much wiggle room do you sort of allow in general? I see three different ways to read the rules. Okay. And I will flit between them yeah. as I want. Yeah. The first way is what does the rules say? What are the what are the words? Right. What do the words say? What do they mean by these words? Yeah. yeah. The second way is what is the spirit of yeah. this? Okay, yeah, that's good. So yeah. for example, a spell that maybe like creates a cone of cold damage. Right. Cold damage within Dungeons and Dragons has all these different rules associated yeah. with it, yada yada yada. Yeah. I have had players be like Oh, can I cast Cone of Cold to make the ground slippery? Okay, yeah. And that is, the rules do not say that that happens. Right. But in the spirit of Mm. the game, in the spirit of the rules, you are creating like an intense area of cold. Yeah. So, yeah. Logically, yeah, the ground could get slippery given that. Yeah, okay. And then the third one is the golden rule. How Mm. would I want them to interpret it for me? Right. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I'll be like, well, if I were in your situation, I would want me to do this. So I'm going to let you do it. Yeah, great. Or I'm going to interpret it this way or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah, you've literally got these three. So pretty much you kind of like click into quickly just Bump through mm. all of them and go, all right, what's my answer? And then Yeah, go basically. There. It'll depend on the game. So if it's kind of a more a sillier story, I might be more inclined to let the players be freer with the rules and whatnot. Yeah. A more serious story, I might I might not let you create a patch of ice that people can slip right. up on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's very contextual. Yeah. Which I guess again, like that's this is why it is collaborative storytelling. Mm. Because again, depending on the people, depending on the situation, depending on the game, all those sorts of things 
are all influencing how you play the game, which kind of brings me to this, this other topic I was hoping to talk about because so much of it, it seems like it's really, it really does seem to be like improv storytelling. Yes. For the most, as much as there is planning done and, you know, on both sides, definitely mostly from you. Um, (laughs) And like, I, I'm fascinated by that. I think it's such a good skill for any story, like much like for people who want to get into comedy, obviously doing improv, it just sort of breaks all these barriers, mental barriers mostly of like, oh, I've got to have everything perfect before I can deliver a joke or whatever. Yeah. And just let the silly out, let the stupid out or whatever. With this, it's sort of like let the creativity out, let the imagination out. And I, yeah, I just know that for so many writers, myself included, like you can you can get in, more often than not, the only thing that gets in the, your way of telling a story is yourself and like second guessing it. And I think like writer's block is just fear that it's going to suck for the most part. Like, sure, yeah. You know, you can always write a shit version of it, but you don't want to do that. So, oh, I'm stuck because I can't think of a really good one sort of thing. So I guess like one, I just think it's an incredible practice for any storyteller, but like how have you found it? Because I imagine it's like any muscle, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Any, I look back, I think it's maybe a, a cycle of, I want to say two or three years. Mm. I look back on anything I did two or three years ago right. and I think- that was garbage. <laughs> I could do that so much better. Yeah, here. right. I'll pass that up. <laughs> yeah. Every every two or three years, anything I did previous sucks ass and I yeah. could do so much better than it. But yeah, absolutely. It's like the, the that first season, me just laying the track in front of mm. the players, that was me doing basically all I knew how to do. Yeah. I wasn't crafting stories because I didn't know how to craft right. stories. Yeah. I was letting the players kind of make their own story. Yeah. And then I think it's about season three, which mm-hmm. I think was called Husfirma Pride, which was, I want to say two years maybe into right. doing it. Yeah. That was the first foray into trying to tell a story properly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was me ha- with like an idea of a act one, act two, act three, arcs for all the different characters mm-hmm. that was my first attempt at it yeah and it was it had a mixed reception right yeah okay uh i i still think i well i obviously i think i could have done better yeah. i can now do better right, with the skills you have now yeah but i think at the time for the skills that i had mm. i did the best job i could yeah yeah and then from there a few for a few further forays into doing more like contained more specific storytelling until kind of where we are now, mm. which I, I think I, I'm quite, well, I can't wait for two or three years, but <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm quite a strong storyteller yeah. and I have gone beyond, like I've started adding new tools to my repertoire. Right. Yeah. So we started doing like some modules, mm-hmm. some pre-written modules and I took them and I changed them pretty heavily. Yeah, right. And I've started doing that more and more. So we did a series called Once Upon a Time in Zombie Played Cholt. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. based on a book, an officially released book right. called Tomb of Annihilation. Uh-huh. And I modified that book a bit. Right. Not hugely. Like yeah. they largely, the players largely followed the book, but mm-hmm. I did change a few things. Mm-hmm. And then the recent one we're doing. Once Upon a Time, actually I forget what this one's going to be called, <laughs> but it's some variation of Once Upon a Time right. and Zombie Played Cholt, yeah. but it's based on Curse of Strahd, right. which is another book. And I, that book, I basically took, I want, if that book is 12 chapters long, there's mm. one chapter of original content. <laughs> oh shit, okay. <laughs> I, have, I have gutted that thing yeah. <laughs> completely. Right. And I honestly think I created something better. Yeah, great. Not 
not to say that I was a better writer necessarily yeah, yeah. than the people from Wizards of the Coast, but just I was able to create a personalized story yeah, for the players. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, which that seems to me like is the goal ultimately yeah. to like create the best story for this group of people. Again, because we're looking at that collaborativeness. So by mm. taking in the different people you're collaborating with, that makes sense that you're kind of trying to craft a story that suits Absolutely. everyone. Yeah. Which is apparently mm. where D&D comes from. That's... That's right. origins. Gary Gygax. Yeah. This is one of my favorite little factoids. Yeah, hit me with it. If you will. But Gary Gygax, when he releases the original OG Dungeons & Dragons, yeah. because it was kind of just him and some mates out of a garage. Right. There wasn't like a lot of a lot of very formal editing going on and mm. stuff like that. So the first book is kind of riddled with issues. Right, right. <laughs> and a lot of people would mail in. Mm. And uh, and ask, can you clarify what this means? Can you explain to me this, that, all these different things? And Gary's response would always be, he Mm. would always have the same response, and it was, well, what did you decide? Uh He was very, he was very, very, very adamant that he gives you, like, a structure. Yeah. And then you fill everything else out. And if yeah. anything doesn't make sense, you get to decide what Yeah, it brilliant. Means. Yeah, that's great. And like to me, that sort of almost cuts to the heart of the beauty of of these uh, role-playing games mm. and the collaborative nature of it is like, yeah, you really are filling out together as a group, you're filling out this this world in this really interesting way. So yeah. they're like, no two versions are the same, which is like, I, I think that's part of the cool thing about it. I think it's why people want to listen to these campaigns as well, because they each one will inevitably be a unique story because yeah. of who is collaborating on this story. Just jump back to the sort of improv side of things. Do you, do you what sort of like... When someone throws you a curveball, I guess, and you've got to like <laughs> throw something back, like what's your process? Do you sort of go, okay, well, what have I mentally got within mm. this room, or like, or is it what have what have I used in the past, or is it just sometimes words come out and you're like, oh, I don't know where that came from. Like, what's sort of the process? Sometimes it is a little bit like words yeah. come out and I don't know where they came from. <laughs> yeah, but my role, I see myself as the straight man. Right. So I see basically everything that the players do as a curveball being thrown at me, essentially. <laughs> yeah. So. So when they throw something silly at me, mm. my job is to either, if whatever the curveball is, to let it play out, uh-huh. let the dice fall where they may, <laughs> yeah. and if it works, yep. then holy cow, that's incredible, <laughs> and that leads to some hilarious moments. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, that's just as funny. Yeah, right. Yeah. You, I, try, you took a big swing, yeah. and the dice said no, so great. We all get to have a laugh about It's that. like the, what's that famous baseball player? Um, I can't remember his You're name. You're asking the He's wrong like dude, my friend. <laughs> Some famous baseball player, and people are like, he had the, he had the record for most home runs. Right. And they're like, reporters are like, uh, say, how do you... What's the secret to getting home runs consistently? Right. And his response was, well, I have the record for the most home runs, but I also have the record for the most strikeouts. Uh-huh. <laughs> because when I swing, I always swing big. Yeah, great. No matter what. Hit or miss, I'm always swinging as if I'm knocking it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So it creates like a, a, a incredible scenario, kind of no matter which way it falls. Yeah, that's good. I and mean, again, that kind of harkens back to what you said before. Like there's no wrong way to, to play these yeah, games, no absolutely. Really tell these stories. Um, something else I was hoping to sort of talk to you about is like, where do you start? Like, what's when you start to build out these these campaigns? Like, is it maybe it's not the same every time? But like, what what sort of the first sort of things you're thinking about to start telling this story? Well, typically, what'll happen if I am writing a story that I want to tell? What'll yep. typically happen is. Or actually, even with the sandbox ones, when mm. I'm generating all of those little strands, yeah. what I'll do is I'll think, 
to myself, that would be cool. Yeah. And then I have a lot of thoughts, that would be cool, that would be cool. Yeah. And then I kind of flesh, create flesh around that to be like, all right, how am I moving the players from cool to cool to cool? Great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's how it works for me. Like, yeah, I think that's awesome. Like even again, for some of myself and for people I've taught and stuff like that, we're like, either they've got no ideas, which I generally, I'm like, that's impossible. Ideas are everywhere. Like cram any two things together. That's a new idea. Um, or they've got too many ideas and they kind of can't choose which one. And I think, yeah, following like the cool seems to be a pretty good method for like, well, naturally, if you're interested in that, great, your readers or listeners will too. And then if you continually find new ways for that cool thing to get cooler, great, you've probably got a good story on your hands. Yeah. Um, And then like how much sort of like I know for the one we're doing, you know, you did it, there was some research element involved because it's sort of set within, you know, it's not D&D, it's sort of more our world. Yeah. How much sort of like how much of the ideas come from just things you've read, things you've seen or or research you've done? I, it's complicated. Mm. So I will sometimes spend like for the one that we did. Yeah. I spent hours and hours and hours just making sure that all of these events, because where you are was a real place. Yeah. Uh, some of the events, not all of them, obviously, because mm. it's a wild story that I'm telling, but some <laughs> of the events that happened to you genuinely happened. Awesome. And all of the like technology mm. that exists genuinely existed and did kind of work the way that it's working for you. Yeah. Uh, and I researched like a, a lot of different little political things that were happening mm. just to make sure that everything, I kind of get that idea of, oh, this would be cool. And then I researched to see, is was something like this around at the time? Right, right. And if it wasn't, can I uh, can I find something equivalent? Yeah, and sort of shoehorn it into your <laughs> your idea, I guess. And then sometimes I will, I might still spend a bit of time researching, mm. but like I, I just so Jackson is right. really great at researching every little minute bit, and yep. any game Jackson runs, mm-hmm. I guarantee to you, except if it's a serious game, right. it, the silly games that he runs yeah. for like Dusha and Zamet are yeah. ju- are him just like being funny as fuck. Yeah, yeah. But for the more serious games that he runs. Mm. I will guarantee you every single thing that you hear out of his mouth mm. is something that is grounded in reality. The streets you walk down right. will be the streets that should be there. That's fascinating. The buildings yeah. will be absolutely period accurate. Yeah. He is incredible at that. Mm. And I don't have that. Right. I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I instead will just get like the things that I know or things that I want to be correct, and yep. then everything else I kind of just make up. Yep. And sometimes, like with your game, mm. there'll be a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, uh, for example, with uh, another series we did called Curse of the El Donchetto Man, right. I was looking up, I was trying to research a like a monster mm-hmm. that they could fight on this mm. train. It's a, a, a murder mystery on a train. Beautiful. And there's a monster creature, I don't want to spoil it, yep. and I spent a lot of time trying to, going through folklore, trying to find what could this monster thing be right. that would be interesting. Yeah. But I couldn't find, I was very scared mm. that I would pick something and mm. then I would misrepresent or poorly yeah. represent someone else's culture. Yes. And yeah. then I looked into my own culture and I couldn't quickly find anything that yeah. was interesting. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just kind of made something up. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so the I, monster yeah, in the yeah. El Don Cheddar Man 
is just something that has no basis of anything. Yeah. I just thought it was cool. <laughs> I, I, I've been down that same path myself where I was working on a, a show and we even went out for funding in, in Australia. And basically, yeah. like, because I was drawing on other mythologies and cultures, they're like, yeah, you're very white. Um, <laughs> what's your plan to make this, you know, culturally accurate yeah. sort of thing? And, like, fair enough. Um, and ultimately, yeah, the solution was like, yeah, we'll just make up your own one and then we don't have a problem. Yeah. And you're like, oh, great. I'll just do it. Like, as much, like I think there's a lot of fun to be drawn from like mythologies in particular. I, f- I find super interesting. Like mm. the way Neil Gaiman does it, you're just like, great, I want to do what he did. But somehow he, he just manages to pull it off. Jackson, incredible at that. Right. Every, anytime you hear, because he, he's got a passion for mm-hmm. it. Like how I have a passion for uh, world building in yeah. my own right. Yeah. He has such a passion for cryptids and for strange tales and for right. mythology. Yes. So yeah. he just, in the same way that I might be like, oh, you went to do Weldenvarden. Well, that mountain peak mm-hmm. sur- is surrounded by the Elven Wilds. And yeah. The Elven Wilds have... Yeah. He will just know, oh, so you're looking for a pixie. Well, I know that pixies... Uh, <laughs> he'll be encyclopedia of pixies in his Yeah, head. he yeah. really does. And yeah. so... He can feel confident knowing that he's not going to misrepresent anything, that yeah. everything he says is going to be very based in as much as you can base right. things about Pixie in fact. <laughs> it's going to be based in yeah. fact. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And like on the research side, I think that's so interesting just for like even like non collaborative storytelling when you're just doing a story. Because I'm much like you. I research yeah. on two. I just want to tell a story. That feels like homework. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I just want to tell the story that's in my head. I don't want to learn about someone else's world or yeah. the real world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Ugh, that's that's what I'm doing this. I'm with <laughs> Unless the real it's world Dragonlance, the in which case, tell me more. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I, I've just got sort of one last question for you, which is, I guess, sure. it's a bit of a broad one. So have, have a little think, but like, okay. what are sort of some of the greater lessons, I guess, you've learned with especially collaborative storytelling or like tips that you would give people who are like new to this sort of world of collaborative storytelling? Oh, that is a broad one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the first lesson I learned is that whether it may be uh, a player who wants to have more say in mm. their character and the events around their character, or perhaps it might be the dice just don't go your way. Right. You kind of got to learn to accept that some things. Yeah, right. Like yeah. you, you gotta, you gotta. This is a, and I still struggle with this lesson, mm-hmm. but you gotta be able to let go a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You've yeah. got to be able to... You don't have to let your players run amok, yeah. but if your players don't feel like they have any agency, it's mm. not fun for them. Yeah, yeah. And that's, again, the point is, it is collaboration. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh, nice one. That would probably be, yeah, the if I could impart anything, that yeah. it would be that. <laughs> yeah. Any other secondary things you, that jump to your mind? Uh, aside from that, mm. I I think it's really important to let every player feel like they're cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really important, I think, for... Uh, you don't have to do it all the time, but mm. if every player can come away from a story thinking, oh, it was how cool was it when I did this? Yes, yeah. That fucking rules. Yeah, As a player, yeah. that's the golden rule, baby. Right. As a player, if I... If my character arrives on a donkey, mm. gets killed by a door falling on him. <laughs> right. But in between those two moments, yeah. if I got to pick up an orc by his chin and tear him in half, <laughs> yeah. I'm not too upset. Yeah. Yeah. I got my weird, okay, yeah, yeah. but a door fell off me, but oh well. That's great. I love that. And again, I think it speaks to the heart of, of 
the point of these games is that everyone's having a good time. Like, obviously, that's yeah. the point of any storytelling. Um, and, yeah, if, if they've had a good time and then you've had a good time seeing them have a good time, great. It fucking smiles all around. Uh, that's awesome, dude. This has been so great. Honestly, I better wrap it up there. I, I could keep going for all day. We probably will off mic. But, um, Potentially. Thank you so, so very much for coming on and joining me. Thanks for having me. It's been a real treat. All right. If you'd like to hear more from Adam, you can check out his incredible podcast, D&Ds for Nerds and Adam's World of Darkness Beyond the Map and so many more, right? Basically, the entire adventure tab on sanspantsradio.com is yeah. me. Yeah, great. So head over there, find all of Adam's work. There's so much stuff on there that you'll love. Uh, and you can also find Adam on Twitter at Retro Archetype. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Midday Pajamas or feel free to send me an email at shorttails.podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Short Tales and I've been Damien Robb. <laughs>